Welcome to the Uncommon CEO Podcast, where we unpack the mindset, skills, and wisdom it takes to become an uncommon leader in a common world with your host, the Uncommon CEO himself, Andrew Smart. Welcome to the Uncommon CEO Podcast. Andrew, glad to have you back again. We were missed our filming schedule for a little bit there due to some some stuff going on with you. Why don't you tell us about that to kick us off? Well, first, let me say I... Um, I could not be more excited to be back. Um, you know, having to having been down over the last um, few weeks, uh, I was actually there towards the end of March. Um, you know, it it you know I want to share some of that experience, but being here today, being able to talk, I know my voice sounds a little different. Little, you know, uh, I think I heard said, you know, I got that kind of little deeper. Late night radio talk, right? That uh, the John Tesh quiet. Yeah, hour. John. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to be able to talk and and for me to be able to do it um, without my throat just totally um, hurting really bad. So so no, man. I'm glad to be here. Before we dive into, you know, what's been going on with me over the last um, few weeks, tell me about you. Well, there's lots of stuff that's been going on. Today's my daughter's fifth birthday, which is pretty cool. Um, this year, the kids turned 5, 10, and 20. So one hand, two hands, fingers and toes age year. So that's a pretty monumental one. Got to celebrate it with her a little bit this morning. Will again after work. And, you know, I had a weird little health thing myself. I had some, some hit by some vertigo uh, out of the blue. And I'll tell you, if you've not been through that, I, I discourage it. It gets one star on a one to five star scale i I would not would not recommend it to anybody it's uh puts you out throws your balance off it makes you recognize and realize and i think you're gonna weigh in on some of this as well you sort of forget what normal feels like for a little while there and um when you don't see the end or know when you're finally going to turn that corner it's, it's really discouraging so i had a rough patch there but um feel as good as I've felt in a few weeks right now. You know, I've, I've known people who have dealt with vertigo. My only experience is, is listening to Bono. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't have any experience that, but everyone that I've ever talked to that's dealt with vertigo, um, it's really tough. Yeah. And a fun fact about Bono, uno, dos, tres, catorce is not the correct uh, Spanish nomenclature for the <laughs> numbers, go. but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It stunk. I don't want it to happen anytime again soon. It's was ha- that your first experience? It was happening no, before. It. it just didn't linger as long last time around. It was where. Do they ever. What, what causes it? So there's two things that can. And what I had looked at first from a vestibular therapist, which I didn't even know was a job until this happened, is there are crystals in your inner and middle ear that help regulate your body's sense of balance and your equilibrium. And if those shift between the ear canals, it can completely throw your body off where your brain thinks it's doing one thing, but the balance functions of your body and your inner ear and that system thinks it's doing another. So your body's trying to constantly catch up and the room will spin and things will wobble back and forth. That's one way. They don't think that's what happened to me. The other one is that if you get too much muscle constriction or you throw your vertebrae kind of out of whack in your neck, where your head pivots is your top vertebrae and same sort of thing. It's your balance system is trying to connect with what your brain and your eyes see. And until things get shifted back into place and 
you know, where you're pivoting your head and so on gets squared away and your vertebrae are aligned correctly again, you'll be kind of out of whack. So I got to see physical therapists, chiropractors, all kinds of good doctors over the last few weeks. So it's basically an imbalance somewhere. Yeah, exactly. It's where what your eyes are trying to see isn't lining up with your equilibrium and balance. It's the, it's like the physical meets the mental and the two just can't get along and your, your body essentially has to readjust. It'd be like breaking an ankle and it having to heal over some period of time. It's your body learning how to be normal again. So Hmm. it was, um, you know, not a science experiment. I'm too keen to repeat, but it was, I got it. I mean, we talk about balance a lot and we reference that, uh, you know, that we're always working to find balance. And every time we're, we're way out of balance, you know, nothing's right. So if you're going through Mm -hmm. that in a physical body deal, I mean, that's tough. Yeah. But I'm glad to uh, see that you're uh, doing better. I can drive again, which is, that's positive. All right. right. Homebound for several days there. Well, so as um, you know, what I really wanted to discuss today is is challenges. Mm-hmm. Okay, in the in in our discussions, you know, we talk about all kind of different things, and we 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 talk about topics that deal with challenges. But when we, what I really wanted to hone in on is what is our greatest challenges, mm-hmm. and where do we, you know where do we find ourselves at our greatest challenging moment? And so you referenced, okay, I went through some recent medical you know, issues. Um, what I found, and I'll go into details about it, but what I found is is that, that you know, often when we're dealing with something in, in that arena, when we're dealing with a health issue, that's, that's where we can truly find a lot of who we are, a deep challenge of who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's uh, it's an individual who goes to the doctor and and the doctor comes in and walks in and says, hey, I want to let you know you have cancer. Okay, all the challenges that this person felt prior to that meeting, all the things that they were dealing with at work, any issues, any issues they were facing all of a sudden became different when that doctor walked in mm-hmm. and disclosed that moment. So, you know, we always find out who we are, where we are. And, and sometimes, sometimes you need um, a challenge that's really deep in order for you to evaluate yourself deeper. Mm-hmm. So for me, a good many weeks ago here, mid to later March, I, um, I ended up coming down with strep throat. Um, hadn't had strep throat, I don't think, since I was a kid. Yeah, you don't see a lot in adults. Yeah, sure. and, mm-hmm. and, and and so and so when I got strep throat, um, it really sucked. Um, it came on pretty quickly. I'd actually been out uh, with a confidant friend, uh, John Mack. I was with John Mack uh, mm-hmm. the night before. I knew I was kind of feeling a little off. I just thought, man, yeah, allergies. Yeah, that that's what that's what that's what mm-hmm. I thought. I mean, by the next morning, my throat is swollen. Man, I'm just feeling terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm like, I'm going to the doctor. And I don't normally just go to the doctor right out the gate. I'm kind of like feeling this out. Man, I, I knew something went right. Go to the doctor, immediately test me. and said, yep, you know, strep throat right away. Um, they, they, they go through all the normal protocols. They're going to first test your COVID and flu. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they test me for strep throat, they didn't even have to wait till the end of the test. It popped up real fast. He's like, great. 
we know what this is. And he said, unlike a lot of things, um, when you deal with COVID or flu, there's not a lot of tools to treat it. He's like, man, we can treat this. We'll knock it out for you. Oh yeah. yeah. He told mm-hmm. me by, he told me, Hey, I'm going to get you on something by Saturday. You should start feeling, start to feel better. I'm like, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Sucks right now, but hey, I can handle a few days of just not being able to yeah. swallow. I mean, by Saturday, so he put me on an antibiotic. By Saturday, I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, man, this this is not good. I mean, doc told me by Saturday I'm going to be feeling better. I was feeling worse mm-hmm. to the point where uh, I decided I'm going to go to the emergency clinic. And you know, for those who don't know me, I'm, I got a pretty high tolerance for pain. Um, so if I make a decision to go to the clinic, it's not good. I mean, I mean, it's like I'm swallowing razor blades if I can swallow it all. Mm-hmm. Um, was feeling a little dehydrated because, you know, I wasn't getting a lot of fluids in me. So end up going to the emergency clinic, immediately test me with strep throat, comes back positive. And, and then he's like, I'm going to give you some shots. Um, and, and they had these two containers, which I don't uh, recommend for anyone. I did it. It was two containers uh, of liquid lidocaine. So they wanted to give me shots, and then they told me, I want you to drink both of these. Yeah, I don't even know what that stuff is. Lidocaine's a numbing medicine. Ah, I got you. They use lidocaine going into surgeries. I mean, say it's an oral. And I, I've had lidocaine before, mm-hmm. not in that way. I haven't had it where I'm like, all right, I'm going to drink it and swallow it. Mm-hmm. I wish I hadn't. It did numb my throat to a certain degree, but it also caused some type of uh, coughing episode that I'd had. So it was like, mm. it created a, I mean, it just numbed everything down there. And my bronchioles must've got affected by it. So it had one issue just to create another issue. And and so I would not recommend it. Plus it's absolutely awful. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's thick as can be mm. and it tastes horrible. Um, so I, I came out of the, I came out of the clinic thinking, okay, I've got my shots. Um, done this i'm gonna be good to go sunday comes along still feeling terrible by monday i'm feeling so rough i'm like i'm going back to my my general doctor he comes and he's like um he's looking at me he's like you know i want to try to get you an ent you know it looks like your your epiglottis is really swollen mm-hmm. candidly matt anatomy speaking i didn't know what an epiglottis was <laughs> That's, is that the dangly thing in the back of your throat? Well, it, it's it's right around there. It's that yeah. whole upper mm-hmm. part of your throat going before it goes down. So it's that whole sure beginning region there. And so, and so I I didn't know that was the epiglottis area. I'm feeling like crap mm-hmm. Monday afternoon. He wants to get me the ENT. They call over the ENT. The I guess receptionist. It was later in the afternoon, so they couldn't see anybody. Ironically, the ENT that I was going to, because they got me an appointment the next morning at 9 a.m., had called me. The on-call guy said, hey, you know, I'm sorry we weren't able to get you in. There was a mistake up at the front desk. Um, We could have seen you, but um, I just want to check on you. I know we got you an appointment tomorrow. Do you think you're good until then? At that point, the doc actually had me on some different pain medication because it was getting really bad. And I said, yeah, doc, I think I can hang on until mm-hmm. the next morning. I mean, and, and, and I think, you know, if I stay on this, I can do it. And, and I took all the medication. It wasn't really helping, but at 2 a.m., so I'm laying in bed, finally get to bed, 
start to kind of go to sleep. And at 2 a.m., I lurched out of bed. I woke up out of a semi-sleep, lurching out of bed, and was strangling. Mm. Sounds awful. To a, to a point, I've, I, I mean, I've, I've had many experiences where swallowed water the wrong way, um, you know, feeling, you know, the choking, coughing. And, and, and I've had, I used to teach CPR, so I always tell people, if you're coughing, you're breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when you don't hear anything is when the problem. Yep. And that's what happened to me. So I jump up, I go, I, I don't know why, I just, it just jumped up and I went straight in the kitchen and I'm like holding on the sink and I can't get any air. I mean, and and, mm. and I'm sitting there and I'm like panicking and I, I know my throat's just shut down. Um, I'm like, I grab the drawer, I grab this spoon. I don't know why I grabbed the spoon, but I'm like, I'm gonna shove this spoon down my throat. Mm. Because I was so desperate to open up airwaves. Yeah. Um, and and I didn't do it, but at the same time, when I'm going through this, it's the first time in my life that I've ever experienced the mental thought of this is it. Mm. Yeah. I've never had I, I I've had some scary moments. You know, I've been in some accidents and I've had, but I've never had this is it. I mean, literally. For the time that I was in that, I was convinced this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, and I have no ability to tell you what the time was. It felt longer than it was. Uh, whether it was 60, 90 seconds, I don't know. It just felt longer. At some point, my throat opened up just a little bit where I could mm-hmm. get some air. I immediately called the ENT's office, got the ENT doctor who was on the call, same one. I told him what I just went through, and he's like, "Can you get to the ER? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll meet you there." And I'm like, "Yeah." I mean, and so I I jumped in my car two something in the morning, and I just drive straight to the ER. The ER ended up getting into the ER. Um, uh, the ER is never a great place to go. No, um, for 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 many reasons. And I was, you know, at two a.m. on a this is a 2 a.m. Tuesday morning, I'm like, surely they're not going to be that busy. They were packed. You will meet all kinds in the ER. I, you, trust me. Mm-hmm. Tr- they were all there. Mm-hmm. They were all yep. there. And so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm getting checked in the ER. Still struggling and kind of nervous. And and when they got me back, finally in the back, because um, the ENT was coming, um, I had the event three other times. Mm. Um, really scary moments. Um even when I was in the yard, ER, when they're there, and here's the interesting part. I mean, I'm you, you're having this event, and you're in the ER, and I'm I can't breathe, and it's and and like the nurses, they're just kind of like looking at you, and I'm like, I can't breathe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they, you know, the ENT finally got there, and he wanted me to go do a CT scan. Well, actually, he had me do this before, um, you know, I he got there to go and do a CT scan. I had it happen. I mean, if you ever had a CT scan. Mm-mm. I've I've had them I've had them before. Um, you know they put you in in, in like this tube deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you go to have a CT scan, there's at certain points when they do the imaging, they want you to hold your breath, which I was nervous about doing anyway. Um, I made it to the final point where they had me hold my breath, and it was that I had the event. My everything just closed up again. Mm-hmm. The lady, the nurse, the technician, she said, "I've never seen anybody jump out of a CT, you know, device." 
as fast or the way you did. Yeah. It was just a panic fight or flight survival. Mm -hmm. You know, that challenge of where I, where I wanted to hit, you know, the ultimate challenge is when you're fighting for life or death. Okay. Um, and, and I did, I mean, it was my body saying we're fighting through it. So I, um, I, you know, I, I kind of want to stop there and I'll, I'll share more of the story, but literally at this point of, of the deal, that's what I was experiencing, this fight or flight, this fight for life. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, the, the, the ultimate challenges that we always face in life when we look at challenges and where we find is what are the things in life that we said, okay, this is life or death. Okay. In my, in my event, it was really a feeling of what I was going through. This is life or death. But we, we, we don't just equate that to personal medical deals. We talk about it business wise. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about you know, we are in these moments of life and death. You know, there's, and so and so that that overall mental challenge can be carried into a lot of arenas. You know, I, I think is I think. When we as human beings, as people, face it on a medical deal where your body's fighting for life or death, I mean, you 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 embrace it at a different level. Mm -hmm. We don't always embrace that mentality in other areas of our life, even though they could be, quote, life and death scenarios. Yeah. With, with the human side of the life and death, you always hear about it being such a transformative experience where you end up different on the other side of it. Yeah, you don't always see that in business. You could be on the cusp of bankruptcy and you might not change a darn thing long-term. No, it, yeah. it, it happened, and, and it's funny you bring that up because um, over the last month, I was reading a report about bankruptcies mm -hmm. and how, you know, as, as, as there's a lot of study in the economy and the issues, inflation, stuff like that. Recently, bankruptcy numbers, people who have filed for bankruptcy, are up tremendously than they've been over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you know, the saying of who you are, where you are, okay? You know, you know, life and its challenges are always about your willingness to fight. Mm -hmm. In my particular case, I was fighting for air, okay? Fighting, you know, to breathe. But there are many scenarios in life where as leaders, and in people and organization, you're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're making decisions or you're not making decisions. You're taking action or you're not taking action. And some of it can be just for the breath of survival. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, for me, I felt like this could be the case of going down, but I wasn't going down without a fight. When I look back, when I've had time to reflect on this deal, um, if you go to that moment where I'm in the kitchen, I can't breathe, you know, I'm willing to shove a spoon down my throat. Now, what is that mentality? In a fight or flight or in a deep challenge, that's be willing to do whatever you think it can take. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if it'd work, but I was willing to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, that's the same way it should be applied to leadership and business, right? I don't know if it'll work, but are you willing to do it? Yeah, because it may be the only thing that is left. If it's the only option. It's the only option got, I had. The only yeah. thing I could think of. You know, mm -hmm. hey, I'm not a medical expert or anything, but I can tell you this. I know when I couldn't get my throat open, that's a tool I saw, and I was willing to do it. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I didn't have to do it, but I was willing to do it. So 
as I um, come out of CT scan, I get back to the emergency room and my my ENT on call had showed up at that point. Mm-hmm. He's doing an analysis. He gets to look at the CT scan and he also did this thing, this fun little thing where he shoves a camera up your nose mm. where they can look back into your throat. And then he was actually videoing it as he was doing it because he, you know, he's the one on call, but he wouldn't be the one that was coming in at seven. Mm-hmm. But when he did it, he was also showing me my throat. And it was very interesting. So, you know, the episcleotis and people, you know, they can they can look at a picture of the throat. My whole throat was swollen shut except for this little hole mm. on the right side. I mean, it was like swollen shut. And he goes, you have epiglottitis. Never heard of that ever in my life. I me neither. And, 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 and so I'm like, okay. He said, well, it's a, it's, it's a swelling, you know, of the epiglottis region. So I didn't, I, I just, had no knowledge of that. Um, and, and I, I he knew at that point, what he's going to tell me, we're going to have to go in there and do surgery to drain basically the infection that's in your throat. That's the swelling. He wasn't going to be the guy to, to do it because his partner was coming in at the rotation of shifts. But what I can tell you is what he said to me is that, Hey, do you care if I pray with you? Now, when you're in a situation where you're facing life and death, you know, I, I always equate it to this, to the statement. There's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Sure. And so, um, you know, when someone asked you said, you know, Hey, can I pray with you? What do you think I said? Hell yeah. Bring it on. Absolutely. (laughs) Pray with me. And, and so I appreciated that he wanted to, because when you're in that state, um, you know, you're, you're, you're willing to take any and all help that you can get, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, we don't always act that way in other States of our life. Often it's the challenges and the, in the hard times of our life where we truly do the things that we should be doing daily in our life. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, pray with me. He did. He, the, 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 then there was a transition, um, you know, to, to, the doctor that would ultimately do the surgery. And so his name was Dr. Rampy. Great guy. Um, doctor comes in. He says, you know, I've evaluated it. Um, you know, previous doctor sent me all the information. He saw the video and he started explaining to me what he's going to have to do. Um, in my mind, I'm like, doc, do whatever you got to do. Yeah. And, and he talked to me. Um, he said, you know, that, look, I mean, we're going to have to do this. Um, Many times uh, I have to um, do a trachea- tracheotomy on your throat to, to do this surgery. He said, I'm not sure that we're going to have to do that. Maybe 50, 50, 60, 40. I don't know. We won't know till we get in there. Um, I was like, at that point, I'm just like, look, I need, I need help here. Um, but then he said to me, he said, hey, do you mind if I pray with you? Now, the previous doctor just prayed with me. He said, do I pray with you? I said, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I got two doctors um, who who took time to pray with me. I drove to the hospital reflecting back. Okay, this is where I'm at this stage, reflecting back. I'm not sure that was the smartest thing to do. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I, as I've shared the stories, like you didn't call an ambulance. I said, wow, I guess at that moment, I was like, I could get to the hospital. Mm-hmm. But I could have had the event while I was driving. Thank God I didn't. But where I'm going to at this stage of the game is saying at this point, I felt like, you know, in me as a faith guy, I felt like I got angels watching over me. I got being protected here. Uh, you know, um, 
But whether you believe it or me not, I feel like I had some protection. Mm-hmm. Something was going on here for me. That's how I feel. Fast forward, um, you know, they're going to move into the surgery pretty quick. Um, you know, the, 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 this point, Julie got in there, my mother, I mean, mm-hmm. you're getting, I mean, so, and, and I'm pretty calm, actually. I'm pretty calm. I, I feel like, you know, okay, I've got this protection over me. Uh, other people around me weren't as calm. Sure. Well, you were in a, in a place where you knew you, you had somebody that knew what was going on, was going to give you the help you finally needed to kind of get better. Well, so, I, I felt yeah. calm. Mm-hmm. Now, I also say this, and I think this in leadership, and I think this is uncommon leaders. In their most desperate time, I think, you know, that, that when they can show calmness, when they're in that, I mean, that helps others around you. When they, you know, if, if I'd have been panicking, how do you think they'd have been? Yeah, the leader needs to be seen, as we've said before, and the leader needs to be able to reflect what you you want the folks around you to. I had do. I had this most desperate moment, not in my control, but I felt like there was this force around me that was protection. You know, talking with the you know the the, the ENT, I felt like he had the confidence level, and when I fit when he felt confident, made me feel confident. Mm-hmm. I remember the anesthesiologist. He was kind of a funny guy, and he he kind of was almost overconfident. He was kind of that kind of guy, you know that you know that he 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 knew what he was doing, and he displayed he knew what he was doing. You know mm-hmm. that I'm fine with. Yeah, yeah. You know I'm absolutely fine with. It. I like uh, I like any doctor that's working on me to have confidence. Yeah, I, I prefer when they're good at their job. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. a little confidence and arrogance is okay with me in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so. So we get, you know, by that mid-morning, they've got me back in the operating room. Now, I'm going to share with you the last piece I remember of this, okay? In the operating room, one of the things they were going to try to do is make sure they could get an air tube down Mm -hmm. to breathe. The doctor had already marked my throat for a tracheotomy. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, a tracheotomy, I mean, if you got to do it, you got to do it. But if you don't have to do it, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a healing process to that. And, um, you know, ideally you don't want to do it. I remember distinctly the anesthesiologist putting this device in my mouth because I had to be awake when they tried to incubate me mm-hmm. and, and, and he just jamming my ass, you know, just in, and and kind of looking at it. And I, I remember the, the ENT going, you know, we might have trach them. And, and I'm, I distinctly remember the anesthesiologist saying, I think I can get it. Hmm. I don't know exactly all what he was doing, but I knew what he was talking about was different from what the ENT was talking about. I kind of like the anesthesiologist's idea. Sure. So what he said was, is I'm going to have to put them down a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anybody who have surgeries, they, you know, that, you know, they, they have different levels they can put you. One of the issues I know now after having it is why that they, they want you to be awake is because when your body is fighting for survival, you'll move and your muscles will go. When they, mm-hmm. when they put you down, you don't have the ability to do that. And what they could, what they didn't want to have happen is my throat totally collapse, mm-hmm. you know, because then it would become an emergency tracheotomy situation. So that's where the ENT was concerned. The, the, the anesthesiologist said, I, I'm going to need to take them down a little more. And it's one of those things, if you, if you I don't know any surgeries you have, but it's kind of funny when they're saying, hey, will you count to three? Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly counting to three, and I'm like, I'm not done yet. And I went forward. I must have went down. Yep. And so, um, 
and they they did the surgery they did the surgery um and i didn't know a thing i mean um they they had me incubated they had you know the tubes in my mouth and breathing and and i distinctly remember a few things when i finally came out a little bit of the night and and i couldn't talk all this in my mouth and i could get some thumb signals but i really didn't i really was kind of out of it Mm -hmm. fast forward to wednesday this was on tuesday night that it happened early morning tuesday mid-morning surgery wednesday about three o'clock in the afternoon Julie's in the room talking with me and I'm, I'm, I'm able to talk. They, they had to do another surgery, got the tubes out and then they cauterize your throat, which I'll talk about. Mm. Cauterize your throat. And I'm talking with Julie and I'm talking the things and I, everything I'm referencing is on Tuesday because I'm thinking it's Tuesday afternoon at yeah. three o'clock mm-hmm. and it's Wednesday. I lost a whole day there. I didn't, Ooh. you know, a little over a day. Yeah. And she's, she's sharing with me what's going on. I hadn't talked to the doctors since the beginning of the surgery. Mm-hmm. She's saying um, they went in to do the surgery, um, had some pretty massive infections there. The doctor called and said, I really need to take his tonsils. Hmm. So um, so they ended up taking my tonsils, which later I know they're glad they did because when they removed my tonsils, they found more infection underneath mm. my tonsils. Yep. They had to drain out a lot more fluid. And so... So I went there for a surgery, and you know, for the epiglottitis, the draining fluid, all those kind of things, and ended up had my tonsils and that happening. Um, and so I, I technically had two different procedures that took place. Mm-hmm. I'm in ICU. Okay, I'm actually in heart patient ICU. So that was interesting. Um, um, and I want to say this: great nurses. It was, you know, I don't want to have to be in that environment, but if I was in that environment, I they did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I appreciate uh, the care and everything that they that they gave. Um, you fast forward, like I said, I came through came through the surgery. I was in there Tuesday. Ended up getting discharged late Thursday. Um, you know, one of the things that we all know that I mean, hospitals don't like to keep you there long, unlike in the old days where they keep you there. Um, and because they deal with as much infections around there, sure. Um, and they're full. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were telling me how full they were. Yeah, wait for a bed half the time. Yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's so. Um, and, and so I, I came through this traumatic event. Now, here's the funny part as, as I'm getting shared with, with other people, my mom, Julie, other people who come and visited, I, I hadn't really had a time at that point to digest how bad it was. Mm-hmm. And, and I, at that point sitting in the bed, when I had some time, I started doing a little research of what the epiglottitis situation is. And I, after doing the research, um, I, I found out that this is really bad. Matter of fact, um, if you go back to the 1970s, um, if you got an epiglottitis, you had a 30% death rate, Whew. which is high. Yeah, no kidding. And and so um, and that was just back in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, this might be a little more serious than I, than yeah. I, than I realized. Um, so I, I get discharged from the hospital. Uh, get back, and I mean, you know, on all kind of meds and and pain medicine and i don't like taking pain medicine but you know at this point i'm gonna take it you know when you're swallowing and trying to mm-hmm. bring me it's tough can't eat much um funny part is can't couldn't taste much couldn't eat much and so so i i i, I get through that start going through recovery my body you know for me who likes to be active my body was just so worn out i mean i'm sleeping a lot mm-hmm. um and go through the weekend 
Um, I have a doctor's appointment on Monday to follow up with the ENT. And I'm telling Joey, I can drive myself and do all this kind of stuff. Like well, she's getting pissed at me. Yeah. So that's part of an issue often um, in leaders at my level or people think about I level. We're, we, we, we struggle with that independent nature too. It's hard to accept help sometimes. Yes. Yeah. And I, 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 I value help, but there are times where I struggle in accepting that help. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, in, 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 in leadership, um, in people who understand real leadership, you understand delegating and responsibilities. But there's an element of control you like to. Mm-hmm. And so, and especially in that environment, I'm driving myself. Yeah. I mean. I don't need anybody else to I, try. I mean, how yeah. bad could it be? Yeah, I'm saying yeah. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Well, I hurt her feelings. And then finally, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, and I'm glad I did. My mother actually took me to it because a Julian appointment. Um, and I I went. And and I'm glad, I'm glad I did that because I, I, I go – um, sit down with the ENT, and this is the first time where he's explaining to me the whole deal. Yeah, and it was very eye-opening. And he even made a point. He said, "You know, in our profession, we rarely ever get called in for emergency surgeries. Sure, we do surgeries all the time, but not emergency." I said, "In your case, you're what we get called in for." Mm-hmm. And so, and so, um, you know, I must have been a case because um, I've had to talk to a few of the other doctors there before. Everybody knows about my case. So it yep. must have been like the hot topic in the office, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the Dr. Ramp, he got, to, he, he got some exciting to work on. Yeah. You got to come see this guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think removing tonsils on a scheduled visit is over exciting. Yeah. But when you're in an emergency situation and everything, mm-hmm. I get excited. I mean, you know, look, I, I think that in life, I mean, we all get excited about opportunities and challenges. I'm motivated by challenges. Mm-hmm. And so kind of the, the kind of you know like people that are wired away kind of the scariest moments are all the most challenging moments but you kind of find that who you are so he told me about that he also went and tell me you know he said i'll give you a historical fact here he said um you know over the years we've done a lot of research and and, and in that research we really believe that this is how george washington died mm-hmm. we believe he got in, you know basically a strep throat infection that spread to his epiglottis and ended up he ended up strangling to death. So I'm like, wow, okay. I mean, I love George Washington, you know. Um, I just don't always want to experience everything he experienced. Yeah, probably not the <laughs> favorite thing to have in common with him. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so fast forward a little bit. Uh, took the time off that week. My body was exhausted, um, really in a way that I'd never felt before. I mean, just energy's gone. Can't you know, talk or eat that well. Um, and I, I was struggling with my patience and, and I think we've always said patience is a virtue. Mm-hmm. Um, I often sometimes like think I have good patience. Uh, other times I realize not always. Yeah. You, you tend to realize how good your patience is when it's tested. You, you forget that it doesn't always get tested and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I could use to work on my patience a little more. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, and I'm not one who likes to be out of the fight. Mm-hmm. I'm not one who likes to, I mean, I, I don't have to be doing everything, but I want to be engaged. Mm-hmm. I want to, want to be around. I mean, and so that, that, that was hard for me, but yet it was actually good for me to take time when my body rest and heal. Um, and, and, you know, I've I've still had to do that. I mean, um, I remember coming when I finally got back. You know, I was going to uh, to work out a little bit, 
And I'm in Carla's office, our CFO, and I'm like, ah, I'm just going to do a workout. And she goes, should you be doing that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Have you been cleared by the doctor on that? And I said, well, he didn't say not do it. Very strong point. <laughs> so, so I, um, you know, like I said, I found myself tested at that. But I will also tell you that I've had a lot of time since the event to reflect on what took place. What took place this event could have truly taken me out. And I've said that about other events. I've said, oh, man, this could have taken me out. This could have taken me out. But none of those events I've ever talked about taking me out were about taking my life out. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this event could have taken out business. It's like it could have taken out a relationship, this event, but not my life. And so, and so when you're in that state, you start evaluating, okay, what really is important? All these other things are important, but what's really important? And I've also seen in my life where I've overcome these other areas, and yet most of the time I've overcome them were not because of necessarily something I did. They were often forces around me that helped me through the process. Mm -hmm. And I felt the same way here. And so in my greatest challenges, meaning is your opportunity of your greatest need. And while I had to go through the process, I had to take on the pain, I didn't do it alone. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I think in a leadership mentality, an uncommon thought is when you're in your greatest challenge, you'll find out who the people around you, the forces around you, you're going to find out, okay, um, am I really alone? And I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And... And and, and and my takeaway, and as I've come through that, and I'm still healing from that. Matt, I, I don't have my taste back. I can taste like I've been eating maple brown sugar oatmeal because it's the best tasting thing that I can eat. But, you know, things that I've enjoyed in the past, you know, the things that I love. I mean, I like food. You like food? We're yeah. in the food business. That's right. It's been weird. And here's the thing. I've been sampling all kinds of things, things I don't normally eat because I'm just trying to find something to taste. And, and part of a little... Fear of like, golly, I hope I hadn't lost my taste buds for good. I hope there's not like a nerve this this severed that I got part of my taste. But if there is, I got confidence that they can go and do something about it. But let's say they couldn't. Um, if I had to take air over taste, mm-hmm. I'll take air. Yeah, same here. And so maybe, not saying maybe I had to lose a little something to gain a little something. I don't know. Hopefully not. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I like good food. Yeah. And I need you to help R and D my stuff. So yeah, come on, I'm not yeah. I'm not a good person for the panel right now. Yeah, okay, fair um, but but I can tell you this: um, having gone through all of that, I feel like a truly blessed man. Mm-hmm. You know that that you know in my greatest challenge at that time, and I felt like other challenges were, made, but in my greatest challenge at that time, I feel blessed because I was surrounded by forces and people. They were there for me and protecting me. And I think if every person, every person, and definitely every leader, if they can remember that if you're leading, that means you're surrounded by people. Mm -hmm. And that could be family, you know, obviously business. In your greatest time, in your greatest challenges, man, that's when you find out really who you are, being surrounded by the people who care and love for you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and I had that, and I walk away from that time, that experience, saying, you know, any time that I doubt that someone 
or people they love and care for you, man, I got to tell you, I'm a blessed man. Mm-hmm. And I am honored to be able to come back to this podcast, sit with you, talk about things we love to talk about, being able to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you love to talk. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and being able to have that. So um, as we continue this journey of doing this and evolving this, um, I want to tell you, I'm grateful. Yeah, we're grateful to have you back. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today on the Uncommon CEO Podcast. Subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. We have video episodes on our YouTube channel and more Uncommon Wisdom on our social media. Find all our links and resources at uncommonceopodcast.com. For Andrew Smart and all of us here at the Uncommon CEO, stay uncommon.